Hello, this is Dr. Paul Cottrell, and I'm going to be talking about the news about chloroquine, all right? Back five, maybe six weeks ago, I'm not sure now, um, when the clinical trials were starting for remdesivir, it was uh, in conjunction with treatment, quote, standard treatment with chloroquine in China, all right? And as remdesivir continues its clinical trial, um, patients were treated with chloroquine or remdesivir. And we know that chloroquine is an antiviral, and it's been an antiviral for quite a long time. We even mentioned this on the Oppenheimer Ranch channel uh, a while back, uh, at least two weeks ago, at least two weeks ago, it might be three weeks ago. And I've mentioned multiple times that chloroquine is being used in the United States for treatment for um, uh, COVID-19 cases based on the text messages that I get from a particular MD that, that uh, you know, is seeing these, these types of patients and is giving me some information about how we are treating it in the United States. We can't treat it with remdesivir because one, it's, it's on clinical trials and there's not enough, enough of it. Chloroquine, there is quite a bit of it. Uh, now, recently in the news, because of Tucker Carlson, there, they had some guy that came on stating that there was a research uh, article that, uh, that showed that chloroquine or hydrochloroquine um, treated 100% uh, uh, patients that had that had I don't know if it was coronavirus or COVID-19 all right I, I'm not sure so here here's the rub the, the there was only 40 patients in that study so that's an issue the, the sample size is questionable you for something like that for that kind of statement you need at least 350 patients um, at least, or maybe even a thousand to understand the full dynamics here. But I have published recently that there are multiple receptors and um, the coupling of furin that increases the virulence of this particular virus, SARS-CoV-2, all right? COVID-19 is the disease, SARS-CoV-2, is the virus. Now we can call it Wuhan coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2. There seems to be also another strain of this and that is RATG13. I think the current nomenclature still classifies RATG13 as SARS-CoV-2, just a, a, uh, a secondary strain. Um, now, so I didn't read the research paper, so I don't know if they're, you know, if they, in that 40 patient study, did they have RATG13? Did they have um, Wuhan? Which strand of Wuhan? There is a minimum of 35 of, of them in the NIH database. The last I looked, and there's probably way more now. 
Now, just to put on the common sense hat, okay? If you have so many deaths happening in Italy, don't you think that they would try chloroquine? And I'm sure they are, right? And there's probably still deaths. So to say that it's 100% cure, I think is is a bit of a fallacy. We need more data. I, we need to to uh, take a look at it with a, a critical eye to, to make sure that's the case. Um, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe the company that owns the hydrochloroquine is Gilead, who owns Remdesvir, all right? So why would they be spending all this money for a research study, uh, clinical trials for Remdesvir, if they already have something that solves the problem? Why would the company do that? That doesn't make sense. They would just promote the, the already, the, the drug that they already own to, 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 to solve this problem. So we do know this, to recap, we are treating patients in the United States with chloroquine, some doctors, the ones that do know about it. I know personally one doctor that is using it. Now, um, we know that it was being treated in China. We know that the study that is being referenced on Tucker Carlson's uh, channel, or uh, news, news program, uh, the sample size is much too low. There's not enough power to that, to, to that study. It needs to be minimum 350 patients, maybe 1,000 to understand the full dynamics of the, pop, the population health and um, some of the dynamics that, that, uh, that could be taking place in terms of which strain do we have that they're working with. Is it Wuhan? Which Wuhan? And did any of them have RATG13 or some other? I bet in that study it sequenced the genome of each of those patients to know which which they had. So when say, someone says they have COVID-19, that is a disease. And we assume without testing for it that it's the SARS-CoV-2. So, um, so that's one issue with it. Now, there was also a laureate Nobel laureate, don't know, he's Israeli, I'm not sure exactly his name, that stated that he thinks that the reduction in cases in, in China is due to the chloroquine use, usage, and that would explain the spike and no more cases. Um, maybe, but again, that is all speculative, all right? And I think that ties into this research article that states that 100% it's cured. And I've, I, I've never heard of 100% cure of anything. All right, so that, that, that's suspicious. Just the, that statement is suspicious. But the sample size is small. So yeah, that, you know, with such a small sample size, and what were the state of those patients? So the Nobel laureate made a very, um, I think, um, erroneous assumption, stating that people are immune to the, to the um, SARS-CoV-2 or Wuhan coronavirus. No, you're not, you, don't have, you don't have like this built immunity, all right? <laughs> you, you, what, what might happen is, is that you can get a viral load and your, your body 
your immune system can fight that um, or your particular receptors are not upregulated to an amount that is so susceptible okay that's not immunity all right and you could have someone in your population that is weakened and they they have um, a, maybe a higher upregulation of GRP78 or more furin or more ACE2 and they'll get if they each both of those people got the same amount of virus in their their first their first intake um, that individual has an upregulation of those receptors most likely will get a get the infection so it's not immunity I think it's the wrong term there are more people susceptible versus other people immunity would mean that you have um, you have macrophages that might be able to eat it up or you have a, a learned immunity where you have antibodies already. And I don't think there's any proof that people have antibodies floating around pre-Wuhan infection. And um, it, it doesn't seem to me in the literature that, and um, it doesn't seem that our macrophages have this um, uh, unique ability to just eat up the virus okay so we th this is kind of important to kind of keep in mind there might be something said about treating chloroquine for COVID-19 patients I've stated weeks ago that you have to use antivirals until we have remdesivir ready if it passes clinical trials or some other, you know, um, pharmacological compound that's proven, and um, and or um, some sort of vac vaccine pr program. I'm concerned with the messenger RNA platform because I don't. There's not enough data on the long-term effects of a messenger RNA vaccine, so I have some reservation on that. On the on the long-term efficacy of of the health of the patient, it may be there may be um, it, it may be uh, very ethical. There's a high efficacy for the Wuhan coronavirus, but I have we have no idea what the long-term effects on health with these messenger RNA platforms are for vaccines. So it's I'm, I have reservations with that. That's why I've been focused a little bit more on the remdesivir um, um, trial. But chloroquine has been used as an antiviral uh, medication um, for a long time. So, I mean, it's part of the toolbox. So is other AIDS antiviral medications that could slow down this. So for them to say that this is new in the news, that's disingenuous because you can go back into my channel and see the videos and I state unequivocally that it was being treated in the United States and in China with chloroquine. All right. And, 
and some people pronounce it chloroquine, uh, chloroquine, but it, I think the real pronunciation is chloroquine. So, um, but this this is like not real new. This is not new news. Okay, it's real news, but it's not new news. Okay, it we've we stated five weeks ago that chloroquine and remdesivir was being used in China. And then when it started hitting the states, and when the doctors were starting to triage these patients that were that had um, you know more of the pneumonia symptoms, they were um, not listening to the CDC, and they were already uh, prescribing chloroquine. Now the problem with chloroquine is is that there is um, some side effects. One of the side effects is uh, diarrhea. So what they usually do is they give chloroquine. And a, uh, I think it's called a loperamide, lo, uh, loperamide, um, which helps with dissipating that side effect. So, and what's interesting is no one in the news said that, all right, which we did weeks ago. So, pay attention to this. Thing. Don't get caught up that oh it's a hundred percent. I don't think there is such a thing as a hundred percent anything. All right, because when you're only when you have such a small sample size, there's not power in the study. You need a larger sample size. So forty isn't statistically significant. I I don't think. Um, and we don't even know which strand were they testing with. And so you need a larger population that shows a little bit more representation of the health dynamics of that society, because that's the big problem here. If you, if, if you don't have heart patients and, and um, kidney disease patients and diabetes patients, um, um, pulmonary issue patients, with also, you know, uh, uh, more healthy individuals within that within that sample, you don't really get a full picture of what's going on. So the dynamics of that study is is questionable. The theory by the Nobel laureate on why the spike in 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 cases in China and then all of a sudden dissipated just because of chloroquine doesn't make sense to me. If they're doing a remdesivir clinical trial, all right. And we know that they're treating these patients inside the United States with chloroquine. So we're still seeing deaths. Now, there may be other complications involved because like I said, most of the deaths that are coming from COVID-19 are gonna be due to complications of an underlying disease. So, you know, the human body is very complex and, and dealing and balancing treating a viral infection and other things that are going on uh, in the body is very difficult for an MD um, and the nurses. And that's what they're trained to do. That's what they, they, they work the problem. And each patient is different, you know? It's not cookie cutter. You know, there's unique features to, to each patient. So I, am, I, I don't believe that chloroquine is the magic bullet. Is it one of the bullets in, you know, the armory? Yeah, of course. But we said that a long time ago when we said there are lots of antivirals and, and protease inhibitors that should be used right away when you suspect 
COVID-19 in your patients. And the ERs are starting to wake up to that. So this, 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 uh, you know, this news that came out from Tucker, now the governor Cuomo is saying, and, and President Trump is saying, well, we're gonna make sure that everyone's using chloroquine because this is new information. It's not new information. One, they were doing it in China. And two, <laughs> the ERs weren't following the CDC protocol because the CDC is idiots. And they were, you know, making decisions on the fly on, you know, based on what they were seeing with their patients and decided to prescribe uh, one type of treatment for some of these patients were the chloroquine and the loperamide. So, you know, and I stated that at least three weeks ago, all right, on this channel and Oppenheimer Rant's channel when we were talking about chloroquine. So this is not really new news, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't believe that is the magic bullet. But um, let's see, because we need to see the study between chloroquine, um, non-treatment of chloroquine on, on patients and the remdesivir, and compare them. And by comparing them, then we really understand what's really going on. But if, if the same company has hydrochloroquine and, and remdesivir, why would they spend the money for the clinical trial for remdesivir? It doesn't make sense. So that, that's, those are the facts that I see. And I don't believe that China's numbers have plateaued because of chloroquine. I believe they're hiding. And if you look at the numbers in, in Italy, Italy is a much smaller country compared to China. All right. And with the, the high death rate in Italy, with the, the huge amount of cases that they have. Um, China's only, you know, staying about 80,000. And the last I looked, you know, it was, you know, Italy was around 30,000, maybe more now. I don't know, I haven't looked yet today. Uh, well, that's just, that's just under half of China. And obviously Italy is not half the size of China in terms of population, right? So something's up with the data with China, all right? And if you had all this mass of death, don't you think the doctors would be reading what the Chinese were doing, which is using chloroquine and remdesivir? Now remdesivir is, it, there's not enough of it, so they may not have access to remdesivir, but chloroquine, there is a lot of it. So don't you think they would have treated patients with chloroquine and they're still having deaths? Don't you think that we'd be treating patients with chloroquine here and there's still deaths? So. The data doesn't, the, the, the clinical data doesn't seem to, to make sense there. Um, it may have something to do with the multiple receptors that I was talking about, the ACE2, the, the GRP78, and the CD147, and the upregulation of furin. Um, maybe there's some dynamic there where uh, chloroquine works better. Um, uh, maybe in, in other dynamics, other upregulated, downregulated dynamics, maybe remdesivir works better. Don't know. There's a lot we don't know. But the the, the blanket statement that it's 100%, and this is all this is like just just discovered, is total bullshit. So I take it with a grain of salt until we have more data and a larger data set. And and you know, but yes, will antivirals help? Yes, antivirals will help. Will protease inhibitors help? Yes. 
did we say five weeks ago that if you have a COVID-19 case in the ER suspected or, or confirmed with a test that you should give them protease inhibitors and antivirals? Yes. So this is everything we've been saying for the last five weeks. So no news here. Later. Hello, this is Dr. Paul Katrint, or is a or a data point that uh, suggests the Chinese are lying from day one, which we, which we suspected that the numbers that they're releasing to the WHO and what's being published on Johns Hopkins website is false. Okay, so as of the update. China's numbers were, confirmed cases were 81,155, okay? And at the same time, Italy's cases were 41,035, okay? So let's think about this for a sec. Italy is a lot smaller than China, not only geographically, but also in terms of population. All right. How could you be half of the number of cases of China when you're Italy? All right. That doesn't make any sense. So the number of cases in China are way, way larger. Now, we've been hearing in the news that, well, maybe it's their use of spatial distancing, them quarantining the areas, maybe the use of uh, chloroquine. Um, I don't think so, all right? I think the numbers that we're getting from the Western countries, the Western world countries, Europe and the United States, are showing, even though we're behind because we haven't tested enough, showing that the problem in China was much bigger. And it gives us our understanding of why they needed those 24-7 crematoriums, all right? There's no way that China had 81,000 when you have Italy alone having 41. All right, you add up all of Europe, and still China's larger. You add up all of Europe, and they have more than what China's claiming. All right, so there's no way, no way that China is right with their numbers. They are lying, and, they're, and, and the WHO is either completely incompetent or they are also lying to, to the, Western, the Western world. And people need to be, a, a, these professionals that are allowing China to lie should be held accountable. This is a major problem here that the WHO, I, what I'm suggesting here is that the WHO is complicit with China in hiding the numbers of what was really going on in Wuhan. Those numbers in China, I bet, are close to 80 million, not 80,000. 80 million. And it could be even more than that. But there's no way 80,000 in terms of actual cases, because all of Europe is more than that now. So something's up. Something's up. And the WHO didn't question China. See, here's the problem. It seems like in the news... 
and the, these government agencies and you know and, and uber government agencies like the who the un the cdc why aren't they asking these questions like something doesn't make sense why is china having you know such a low number now while everyone else is getting high numbers and the population of europe is much you know is it's is smaller than what is in china so that doesn't make any sense so what's going on what's going on here you know is it to get us um to think that it's not as bad so it doesn't affect the economy maybe 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 they're trying to hide it um is it that they want to tell us that it's not as bad thinking that it'll buy them time to get supplies to different government agencies to be able to handle the crisis maybe but whatever it is it was a lie the who and the chinese lied to the rest of the world by just looking at the data and seeing how all the other countries are coming in line china lied and they need to be held accountable but all the news anchors are afraid of saying well the wuhan you know virus or the chinese virus or you know they're so worried about you know hurting people's feelings the reality of the situation was chinese lied and there are more people that are dying because of that and that needs to be discussed instead of trying to placate to the chinese because they own certain industries or they have you know they have a strong lobbying group fuck the chinese I'm here with Paul Cottrell. He is a researcher in chaos theory. Of course, he has a big interest in my show for that very reason. Has interest in modeling financial markets. He's born in Detroit. He has extensive professional experience in engineering and design after retiring from automotive engineering. He pursued interests in corporate finance involving the publishing, retail, and nonprofit industries. He is a proprietary trader specializing in currency and energy markets. He's been awarded a PhD specializing in finance from Walden University, also earned an MBA and BS from Wayne State University, engineering certificates from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and has also been awarded, uh, sorry, he, Dr. Cottrell is currently at Harvard University as an ALM candidate specializing in biology. He's completed the pre-medical program at Fordham University. In other words, his degrees could totally beat up and take the lunch money from my degrees. Uh, I'm very pleased to have you on the show, Paul. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to talk, I guess everyone can tell from my red background here, we're going to talk coronavirus and uh, I think some economic impacts that are quite important. And one of the videos that you made that was recommended to me that had me skin crawl just a little bit was your video on the impact of coronavirus on the health systems and the lungs in particular. I wonder if you could help people understand where you're coming from and Hopefully we can push back against this. It's just the flu, bro, kind of narrative. Right, right. So people need to understand the main receptor that the, this coronavirus is infecting is the ACE2 receptor. And the ACE2 receptor involves uh, a pathway called the uh, renin-aldosterone uh, uh, pathway. So this helps control your blood pressure. So as this virus is... Uh, breathe into your into your lungs uh, 
there's a high probability of it connecting to this ACE2 receptor and uh, going in endocytosis in, in, into the cell and starting to replicate. But what is interesting that just came out just recently is it's not just the ACE2 receptor and it's not just the Wuhan strand. Uh, we have other receptors that this is infecting, such as the GRP78 receptor and the CD147 receptor. But it seems as though that the spike protein on the coronavirus has more affinity for the ACE2. It actually um, is supercharged when we have a protease called furin in our cell. We have furin in our cells that helps process uh, proteins. Sometimes proteins are made and they have to be cleaved or folded in a certain way to be activated. We have inactive proteins and activated proteins. So furin at times can migrate to the cell surface. If the furin is next to ACE2 or these other two receptors that I just mentioned, it adds a thousand times more virulence for the spike protein. It's the spike protein that's on the, the, the coronavirus. This I just released two days ago. All right. So um, there's a worry here that once you get infected, um, it it it, uh, it this this virus um, is the working hypothesis that we have is that it's not the flu. All right, <laughs> it is a bio bioengineered virus. Okay, and this goes all the way back in the research data, all the way as far back as 2010. You can see how individuals were uh, doing um, uh, restrictive enzyme uh, manipulation in the in this genome of SARS and bat, bat SARS-like virus, all right? And they were building up what I call the Wuhan strand. This goes all the way back to 2010. They were manipulating it. The reason why they were manipulating is to try to understand what is going on in the bat host and 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 create therapeutics for it, you know, like remdesivir or a vaccine, right? Well, something happened. Many different labs in the world were doing this, all right? Something happened in the research lab at the P4, all right? And they had a supercharged version of this where they took um, uh, bad SARS-like virus and they took SARS and they copy-pasted the virulent parts of this, of their genome, into a, a substrate uh, 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 and created a new genome that also tweaked it with HIV. Uh, the HIV component of the S protein um, comes from something called GP120. It's a glycoprotein 120 from HIV. And there's three inserts, and there is one insert for GAG. GAG is uh, tied into the, the capsid. Um, um, the capsid is the, 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 the uh, the, the circular structure of HIV, all right? That's the, the main, the, the, the main um, the circle of it, if you want to call it that. So um, with that in mind, over time, as it leaked out of P4 and it's been spreading around the world, we have about 35 or more 
sequenced Wuhan strands. All right. And it has branched off. There, there's been one that has branched off called R18G13. We believe that it came from Wuhan and not se- not separate, a separate engineered strand, because it has very similar uh, homology of the genome, and that the gag HIV part that I was talking about on the Wuhan uh, starts to break down. So you have these stochastic processes as it moves around in the population where the uh, nucleotides will change. And, and if you have enough nucleotides changing, your amino acids will change in, in the protein. So you have these stochastic processes that happen during just you know normal mutation. This right? is the, or, or the could, high mutation capacity of the RNA, is that right? Right, right, right. So what happens is, is that we have, this, this virus is an RNA virus. And when the RNA virus gets into the cell, to, to, to prove your point, it gets into the cell and it starts to create uh, a, a protease, a, a protease that it creates is 3CL. And that's 3CL helps to uh, fold the replicase. That replicase is what starts to make the proteins off of the RNA and uh, the RNA per, uh, du- duplicate, duplicates of the RNA. But viruses mutate a lot, primarily because the replicase is not very good. It's not like our polymerases where we have checks, you know, uh, proofreading mechanisms. So higher organisms will have proofreading mechanisms if, if things aren't working right. Well, these replicases are polymerases. It's the same word, same thing. But, but basically, these replicases they make a lot of mistakes. But in the whole in, in the world of natural selection, that can that that can allow for attenuation, the weakness of a virus, or it can allow sometimes more virulence. And this is why I'm concerned about the three receptor issue. I call it pinballing, where over time, even though we have high virulence with the ACE2, over time it's going to attenuate. But another wave could come because of natural selection and it gains affinity to, let's say, CD147 or GRP78. So your, your listeners can see that this can be pinballing back and forth as it's going around the world. Well, this is something so this that is I, I sort of interrupt, but this is something that I've really tried to emphasize in my presentations, knowing as I have studied quite a bit of the medieval history of the Black Death, it came in a series of waves. People think of a plague as like one big Albert Camus kind of peak and then a trough and then it evens off, or maybe it stays kind of low grade in the population. But if you look at the 1819 Spanish flu, yes, we're going to call it the Spanish flu because we're sane. The Spanish flu came in a small wave, a large wave, and then a smaller wave. And the uh, bubonic plague, the Black Death, came in a series of waves over decades, and some places even longer, in Europe. And this idea that you can just get this peak, tamp it down, social distance, and deal with it. uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing it. It's a good thing to do. But we don't know how big the second wave is going to be, even absent mutation. Uh, It's just the way these things tend to roll. Right, exactly. We are looking at the epidemiological dynamics of the Spanish flu as a proxy. The difference is we didn't know molecular biology in 1918. We do now. And this is a bio 
engineered virus. Okay, so that's, there's a lot to and, and the on, sorry, flu. There's a lot that you talked about in the beginning. I kind of want to break it down a little here because okay. it's a, you know you you're uh, uh, squeezing so much information into so few syllables. So when you say bioengineered, you mean that there's evidence of human tampering, not necessarily that it's any kind of weaponized thing, but they were doing uh, messing around with the gene sequence in order to try and learn something. Uh, they put some dangerous stuff in there and it got out and i've heard the aids insert i've also heard that the aids insert has been questioned or some of the papers have been withdrawn although these papers being withdrawn you never know if it's political pressure or economic pressure or what so the aids inserts that you're talking about uh, help me understand a little bit more about some of the controversy around that okay all right here's what happened on on june uh, on january 25th i looked at the genome uh, in the NIH database that was released from China. I was only doing it for fun because I, I took bioinformatics at, at, at Harvard and I was just doing it for fun, all right? So I went in and then when I, what I saw was the copy paste of, 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 you gotta remember that this genome is 30 nucleotides long, 30,000 nucleotides long, okay? They, they copied Bat SARS-like into the replicase. Bat SARS-like was good for the replicase part of it. So it could replicate, but it didn't have a good spike protein. So it wasn't that virulent. Okay, spike protein just reminds remind me of the okay, audience. The, the, the spike protein is the corona that they're talking about. Okay, you, you have the virus that's circular and has spikes. So it's, it's called the S protein or the spike protein. That is what attaches to the receptors, okay? That has if you need more visuals, just check the thumbnail. Because I've been using this right. thumbnail for a while. It's called the coronavirus because of this halo right. uh, and these spiky right. things. Like they're like they right. remind me of sort of uh, sea mines in sort of World War II with their little spikes coming yeah. out. Exactly. So that's how cells can communicate. Is these these receptors? We have receptors that that take on uh, hormones or different chemicals and creates a whole downstream effect of, of processes. Well, viruses have learned over nat through natural selection uh, a way to connect to some of these these receptors. They're brought into the cell, and then they start using the cell machinery to replicate. Now, um, the the uh, so this this spike protein is is the key to the receptor, the, the receptor is the, the lock, if you want to look at it that way. Now, in terms of what happened, so I, I looked at the genome on January 25th and then on, on January 27th, and I saw that they took the best of both worlds, the, 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 the best of the replicase of about uh, 2,000 nucleotides and pasted it in. That's not zoonotic. Yeah, that, the idea of that... That's, that's sort of the thousand monkeys typing Shakespeare, the idea that they, this right. replication of another uh, uh, RNA sequence would suddenly appear in this one, uh, almost perfectly copied, as you say. This, you know, the odds of this arriving uh, from natural selection is like sort of a whirlwind going through a junkyard and assembling a 747. Exactly. And then they took the best for the spike protein from SARS and put it in, and then they tweaked it with the HIV. All right, it's not HIV, it's not HIV virus because HIV virus is a retrovirus. It's a different type of genome. It has different mechanisms. It uses uh, reverse transcriptase and it, 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 it integrates into your genome. That's why HIV is so 
it, it, it is such a problem to try to, to fight to treat but this is not if, if you get COVID-19 you don't have HIV and a lot of people think that but what they what they did was they understood that each amino acid either has a neutral charge a positive charge or a negative charge well you have that those amino acids for the, the lock or the receptor so if you know the charges of the receptor you can program the spike to lock in correctly to have the right charges the right charge topology to lock good and that's what they did with the hiv homology they changed the amino acids in such a way that had the the right positive charge to the negative charge on the on the receptor of the ace2 so and we've had and then you look at the clinical side you hear that there is a down a, a, a down regulation of antigen presenting t cells well, that's your white blood cell count is going down. So that's, that, you know, does have that hint of AIDS. Well, and then, so, of course, you have this double whammy that you have an infection and, well, the white blood cells, which are designed to fight the infection, those numbers are going down. And this might be one of the reasons why it's so hard on people's system. Right, right. So, so okay, now, now around this time, it's early February, we're... Three Indian researchers published a paper on Cold Spring Harbor's website, non-peer-reviewed website, but that's how a lot of this, you know, cutting-edge research is first, it's a white paper that's issued for comments, okay? And it showed how they, 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 they looked at the Wuhan strand that was released by China, and I personally went into the NIH database and did to double-check the research. And if you look at the genome that's, that's published for HIV, one there's different types but hiv-1 and you look at the protein sequence of of gp120 and gag and you type in those those uh sequences those inserts and look at the the uh actual genome that's for wuhan you see it and it's it so it's not like they 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 did a, a false paper now you got to remember how researchers... Was a, sorry to interrupt. There, there was a lot of pushback, because I remember reporting about this when it first came out. There was a lot of pushback. If I remember rightly, the paper was withdrawn. Do you know what the criticisms were of this identification? They said that the methodology was wrong. So, but the thing is, is if you, if you see the sequence and you see it for the spike protein, that makes it more virulent. And there's four. There's four inserts, four separate inserts. It's not like, you know, uh, just a sequence. It's four targeted in there. The chances of that being zoonotic is low because it's one sequence I could say maybe zoonotic. Two sequences, eh, maybe. Three, four, then the probability becomes less and less, right? And these sequences are not just two amino acids matching. One one is six, you know, another is like eight, you know, so that the chances, and you, to make an amino acid, you need three nucleotides. So, and that's, you need three nucleotides plus another three nucleotides plus another three nucleotides to make up the six, the, the, the six amino acid sequence. So the chances of it being zoonotic 
um, is very low. On top of when you look at the copy pasting that took place with bat SARS-like and SARS coronavirus. So this was definitely bioengineered and that's just looking at it from uh, bioinformatics. So you can look at it from three different ways. You can look at it from the bioinformatics. You can look at it from the probabilities, pure probability. It's very low. And then on top of it, it's right by a P4 facility where supposedly it was leaked, you know, by the, the fish market. You know, so the probability of all this being zoonotic is like 0.00001 or less. The bioinformatic perspective, you can see the copy pasting. But then you can see the building through the research and how they were studying this in the, the bat host and try to make a virus that's, that, that, that goes under the radar of the immune system to be able to, to understand the biology, to speed up the research. So I understand why they did it. Okay, but so, so, let's, let's, so let me understand right, this because so, th th this, this is the big question, and of course we we may never know the actual answer, of course, Paul. But this is the big question: if it was engineered, why on earth would somebody want to create such a hellish virus? If it doesn't exist in nature, it's not like you're researching it to create some sort of vaccine or some sort of protection against it. I mean, is this not just? Well, I don't even want to say it, but I mean, wouldn't this have significant military? applications there's a lot of ways to look at this we can go down the very dark road or we can hopefully it wasn't the dark road i originally had the thought and and the hope and i and i stress hope that it was purely uh scientific and that it was it was leaked on accident but you can have something that is scientific going in the scientific pipeline and then and then bifurcate and then have a dark operation going on. So they could have been building up this virus in 2010. And there is some evidence to, to your, to your point in around 2015, where it went dark out. And oh, so they developed something so, and the members were like, Ooh, that could be of use to us. Yeah. That's what I think happened. Yeah. I think that's what happened now. That's going down dark road, you know, and if that, you know, why was that released? Was it released on accident? Was it released on purpose? Who released it on purpose? Why? You know, I just, I, it's, it, it opens up a lot of questions that may never be answered, but I understand why it was being developed in 2010, all the way through, you know, up to, you know, the, the, lots of labs were working on coronaviruses, you know, to, to try to come up with a SARS vaccine. I mean, it, that's well known. That's, that's public information. And they were trying to come up with SARS vaccines. This is one of the research lines of trying to find that because this virus is, I mean, even the, the code name for it is SARS COV, you know, COV2. You know, COVID-19 is a disease. The actual virus is SARS, COV-2. So they're even admitting in the scientific community, this is SARS. Now, you had mentioned earlier, um, it was 30 or, or 35 variations on this coronavirus. Uh, can you help me understand that bit out? Right. So, yeah, the 30, so, 35 thing. So the, the, over time, there is uh, this stochastic uh, mutation that's taking place, right? So when, um, when that happens and people get infected in different areas, they have been sequencing 
So last I looked was last week, and there's over 35 Wuhan strands of this. So there's the California one, there's the Illinois one, there's there's uh, Hong Kong, there's South Korea. You know, so there's okay. So, so, so what do you mean by strains, variations on a theme? But uh, the, with the, the same the, vaccine, the, the, the genome, all of them the, the, the genome is so similar. The genome is so similar. You can call them the same. That they're from the same families, from the same lineage, and that the therapeutics, high probability that they would work for that family. But so sorry, therapeutics, therapeutics, because I mean, there's there's two. There's the actual targeting of the illness. There's a bunch of Australian researchers who found. Uh, I think it was a, a drug that deals with malaria, and uh, I've also heard the uh, AIDS drugs or HIV drugs work. So there's two therapeutics, right? One is just get oxygen into the lungs, which is the intubation, which is the oxygen mask, and so on. And then there is the actual targeting of the virus. And so you're saying even though there are local variations, the same medicines might target, or probably would target, the same variations of the virus? Yes. I mean, when I say therapeutics, I'm saying like remdesivir, antiviral medications, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm not talking about ventilation, but that okay, is the therapeutic sure, yeah, definition. Yeah, but okay. I mean, you know, but a, phar- a pharmacological therapy. Um, so, you know, that, so you have about so as it as it spreads around the world, it's going to have minor variations in its genome, and they're sequencing those and publishing it. So there is more than 35. How many? I, I don't know it's today, but last week it was around 35 of the Wuhan and only one of the RATG13. Now, over time, we're going to see much more of the RATGT13. I'm sorry, remind me of the difference between like, that, that, that acronym. Okay, okay, so uh, I don't know what the acronym actually stands for. That's just the code. They, yeah, they, that's the code they have. So you have the, this is what I think happened. You had a bioengineered virus that leaks out of P4. It's Wuhan. Wuhan is then starts to mutate, and we sequence and we have 35 different genomes that are so similar, just a few nucleotides or whatever that are different. Something happened, and there is a, 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 a zoonotic mutation that takes place that's beyond just, uh, it gains function. It has a, a different, it has a different dynamic. Is it more virulent or less virulent? I don't know. I don't think there's enough research to say either way. It could be more virulent, it could be less virulent, but it's different. It's different enough to, to say it's a, it's, it's, it's a cousin. It's not in the family. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's not uh, siblings, it's a, it's a cousin, all right? Um, and, but there's only one of those that, that were sequenced that I've seen in, in, in the NIH database. Well, there were 35 Wuhan. So as time goes on, you're going to see more and more of these being sequenced. But it's important for the, the listeners to realize just because there's 35 of Wuhan doesn't mean there are like radically 35 different viruses that are attacking you. No, it means that out of this 30,000 uh, nucleotide genome, you may have 50 nucleotides different. And just because you have a different nucleotide doesn't mean that it codes for a different amino acid. So, so, so you so have my, to have sorry, enough mutation that takes place. So my concern here, Paul, I, I think everyone's concerns, is if it starts to drift even more, you're going to end up with like the common cold or the flu, wherein there's just enough variation, at least with the flu, right? I mean, how do they get the flu vaccine every year? Well, they just kind of guess how it's going to mutate the next year. 
uh, and, and try and figure out what spectrum to apply there. Because if it starts to drift even more, and given its replication rate, given uh, the, the um, non-asymptomatic transmission rate and so on, it seems to me it could be kind of likely. Is it going to drift enough that we're going to end up with, um, well, I guess further than cousin relationship, possibly even outside of um, uh, medical help? Well, here's the thing, is, is that viruses and uh, lineages of viruses can attenuate in the population usually and they learn and it, and it becomes uh less virulent and more common right coronaviruses are cold viruses right many viruses are cold viruses but this will attenuate but my concern is is that because of the mechanism it's bioengineered this is something that we've never really seen before to our knowledge, maybe they have released other things in the, in, in, into the population we don't know about. But let's assume this is the first bioengineered virus that really leaked out that has this level of lethal, you know, or, or virulence. My concern is as one receptor affinity starts to attenuate, another receptor affinity starts to get stronger. And this is where I'm worried about that second, third, fourth wave i'm i believe that just with just with wuhan i don't know about retg 13 that's really new that was only sequenced february 24th that it will attenuate and we'll have this big spike and then we'll have a secondary and a tertiary that in this this duration is going to be 18 months using the proxy of the dynamics of the spanish flu all right there was a secondary and a tertiary wave but again that wasn't supercharged we have a supercharged situation where it's designed to pinball back and forth that's the way it, it looks like it was designed for so as it's attenuating for one set of tissue receptors it's going to attack other tissue receptors and we don't know what the clinical presentations are this thing could this thing could be 20 months, die out, and then rear it set up again in five years. Because, you know, it learned to just kind of live in the population. You know, just because no one's sick or seems sick doesn't mean it, it's not around, right? It's just, you know, it's, 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 it has a low viral load on the body. So, but then so is there enough of a mutation that takes place that, bam, it pops up again? Right, right. And this goes to me, Paul, some way towards explaining uh, to two other things. One, of course, is that there have been some um, say fairly significant evidence of reinfection rates up to 14%, which is not good. Now, some people are saying, well, you know, it was an error in testing and so on. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But if you've got this mutation that's looking for these new receptors, the reinfection rate seems somewhat plausible. And, well, tell me if this is a correct way to look at it, that it would also go some way towards explaining why the damage appears to be quite significant in some people. I've seen reports of 20 to 30% loss of lung capacity, of a brisk walk causing people to sort of run out of breath after they've had the virus. I've heard other reports of uh, the heart ailments that can come out of this. Uh, and these things are not uh, much associated with the flu or the cold, of course. Is this part of what we're talking about? Yes, yes, yes. See, people need to realize that the ACE2 is not just in the air sac uh, uh, cells. It's also in your mitochondrium. 
So if you, so that, that we know through clinical presentation that individuals that have diabetes that are, that, and this is my big point about America because we're unhealthy, but diabetes, heart disease, uh, 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 liver issues, especially, you know, liver cirrhosis, you know, drinking too much, you know, that sort of thing, or kidney dysfunction, they all have ACE2 receptors because they use it for um, a hormonal uh, a communication, for homeostasis. So it, this virus is using that and they, it can shut down the heart or break, turn down your kidney function. So it's not just lungs, but you can get it into your lungs and then you get that viral load. It takes a little bit of time. It starts multiplying. It exocytosis out of the cell and, it, and it's all over the body. And it's, it's, it moves, if it's not treated, it can move towards like sepsis where you have multiple organ failure. So if people are already compromised with a low immune system, diabetes, or, and again, that GRP78, that's glucose receptor protein. So glucose is involved in this. So this, you know, so, but that's a chaperone protein within the cell. But if it, if this, if we're stressed, if a cell's stressed or tissue stressed, it will upregulate that and turn into a receptor. So if you already have a compromised immune system, you'll upregulate GRP78, and that virus can get it. That can, virus can use that as a as a as a as a, a, um, as a, a window to get into the into the cell. Okay, so. Uh, it seems to me that the scientific community, if what you're saying is correct about the evidence for it being bioengineered, it seems to me that the scientific community should be front and center with this, talking to people about this being not something that's just evolved, not something that just drifted from bats to people, but given the evidence that it is a bioengineered virus, this should be front and center because, as you say, this is unprecedented. Why do you think more people are not coming forward to talk about this? Well, it goes back to the three Indian researchers. You've got to remember that uh, researchers, they get their grants from the government, all right? And you're not going to say things that will upset the apple cart for your funding, for your lab, right? So that's one component. People are afraid because of the way the grant system is for research. Second, it shines a light on how dangerous some of this molecular biology can be and the lack of protocols and the hubris of the scientific community. It's, if we don't have the correct protocols at the, at these level four labs, the BSL four labs or the P four labs, um, these things can leak out and cause major havoc. Well, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but even, even in a first world country, uh, not to say that China's all third world or anything, but even in a, advanced country like Canada, we had a bunch of Chinese scientists kicked out of a lab in Winnipeg. So, you know, I mean, it, it's all well and good to have protocols, but if you have people who may be compromising those protocols for outside, for reasons of outside influence, it's like, well, that's all the great protocols, doesn't really matter. It's like putting your right. big long password up in a post-it note on your monitor. But there could have been a protocol to prevent the leakage of, of material coming out of mm -hmm. the lab. And there's, there's the problem is, is that uh, not only it could have been just an accident leak, but it, you know, there could have been a pers purposeful leak, an espionage leak, because you can, you know, 
you can use a bioengineered virus and turn it into a weapon very easily. So, um, you know, so protocols, you know, are not just the lab protocol, but also how to prevent people from stealing material. Uh, I, I think that that's weak also, but it shines a light on the, the, some of the things that are happening in, in, in dark operations in these labs. And I don't think people really realize, I mean, maybe they realize it with the nuclear, you know, age and the nuclear, you know, Los Alamos type technologies and stuff like this. But I don't think people really realize all of the things that are happening with, with these labs and how they're tinkering around with genomes and making chimeras. And, you know, I don't think the average person really understands it. Well, it gives you know, especially the phrase with Chris, always, yeah, the phrase that's always used is playing God, but that's actually not quite accurate, more like playing Satan. Sorry, you were going to say something about the right. CRISPR technology. Right, right. Well, right, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, I agree with you, like playing Satan, you know. You know, it's, it, it, there's a hubris in the scientific community to think that they, and this is where the chaos theory comes in, you know, they have a hubris thinking that they can contain it, that they know better, that they have the protocols or the knowledge to, to, to understand what's going on and that everyone will be safe but then some black swan event happens and it creates a a a a thunderstorm of activity that could not be predicted and it it, the whole system goes in 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 chaos and eventually it will reach equilibrium but i i I love i love the uh I, i i love the the um the movie uh, Jurassic Park. I was just thinking first. of the Jeff Goldblum yeah. character with and, the water on the hand and which way it goes, yeah. right? Well, no, no. It was when they were in the dining room when he said to the, the guy that, that created Jurassic Park, the older guy, and he basically said, you know, your your scientists were so busy trying to do it. Oh, I'm sorry. I remember the quote kind of annoying me. Uh, they, they were so busy wondering if they could, they never thought whether they should. Exactly. And this is where philosophy comes into this, is that asking that question, are we too hubris to be messing around with this stuff? And if so, what sort of procedures, policies, checkpoints could be put in place? This philosophy has a lot to do with solving this problem because there's there this hubris in the scientific community that they know all. And well, some people know, also forget, uh, sorry to interrupt, but- just a minor rant here, people always forget. They think censorship is, you know, people showing up at your door and throwing you in jail for a tweet, and there certainly is that aspect of censorship. They think of social censorship, like you lose your job or uh, you lose uh, your income or in some way because you posted something that the mob doesn't like. But uh, scientific funding is censorship, and people always forget that uh, whoever pays the piper pulls the tune. And if the government is funding, then the promise or withholding of funding is a form of very brutal censorship on the scientific community, which is why you get this grouping, which is why you get this conformity, which is why people, uh, I think that their trust in scientists, given the failures of the peer review process, given some of the inconsistencies in global warming panic scenarios, uh, and this as well now, where people may have created this virus that's going to take out some percentage of the world population, it's like, it goes back to the injustice and, and coercion of scientific funding and how much it gets people to fall in line and not question an orthodoxy, which is the exact opposite of what the scientific method is for. 
Exactly. You know, anyone that has written your research, they have to go through a peer review process, you know. But sometimes there's dogma in that peer review process. And if you're a, a, a unique thinker, someone that is like a paradigm breaker, a paradigm shifter, it's really hard to get your research through that, right? So uh, it, I think what happened with the Indians, the research was pulled down, not because of bad methodology, was because of the, the whole system and of, of how it's funded, how labs are funded. Now, what's happening with United States scientists? I think it's very similar. Look at what happened with Lieber, uh, Professor Lieber at Harvard. He was charged for espionage. You know, he was leaking classified information to the Chinese through the thousand uh, 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 talent plan that was published in 2008. He was part of that. And there were other graduate students in other universities in the Boston area that were tied to this. And he was he was a chemist and a biologist focused on nanotechnology. So it kind of like there is we've been infiltrated. That's one problem. Another problem is the peer review process and the paradigm shifting, which uh, I think all disciplines, even in, 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 in philosophy, you know, have to, you know, manage through, but there is this afraid to step out onto the battlefield is what I call it and actually try to make a difference and warn people that something's up. You may not have, because of the fog of war, you may not have all the pieces. It, it's very cloudy, but that's, that's the battlefield. You know, by the time everything is said and done, we'll understand what really happened. But we're living in the now and we have to act on the present and not wait for the historians to tell us what happened. So there is going to be this fog of war. But I think the scientists, they, they have this mindset that, well, I need more data. I need more data. I need more data. Well, that, that's true. But you, you also have to have some intuition to move the ball forward while you're waiting for more data. Well, and of and, course, you China, know, the last thing that China would want is any scientific consensus that this was uh, an engineered virus, because that would be beyond appalling in, in terms of the world community, one of the worst things that would have happened in the world community since the Second World War, really. Okay, so let's talk about this last thing, because of course you have expertise in finance as well, which I really appreciate. There is a real widening of perspectives at the moment on coronavirus, on the outbreak, in that, you know, you have some people saying, hey, man, the death rate is vastly overestimated. Uh, it's under control. It's just the flu. We're overreacting. It's going to come and go. We're all going to look silly in a couple of weeks. And there are other people who are, I'm trying to sort of navigate between these two positions. Usually the truth is in Aristotelian means somewhere in the middle. And other people who are saying, you know, this is... Uh, the end of the world as we know it, the economy is going to collapse, the dollar is going to evaporate, they're going to monetize the debt. Well, they're kind of already doing that at the Fed these days. What is it, 2.2 trillion plus another 500 million or something uh, over the last day or two and 0% interest rates for those close to the centers of power. Where do you think the response, I mean, we can focus on America. I know that you live in the States. So where do you think the response is relative to the risk? I'm going to say something really, really like scary. All right. And I don't mean to scare people because I've spent a lot of my time trying to help people and, and, and calm people down. I mean, you know, but this is much worse than Lehman. You look at the VIX, the VIX is already trading in, in 
83 or 80 last i looked it was 80 mid 80s 85 something like that okay so if we can tell people what that means that would be good all right the all right vix index is like a uh, risk index on on stocks the higher the number the more risk there is now normally uh, risk is heterocydastic It, it spikes and it comes down really quick it's rare very rare to have elevated risk we are seeing elevated risk day after day after day after day that only happens like maybe in a war or you know a, a major catastrophe, a, a banking crisis. The last time that we have seen this dynamics on the VIX is Lehman. It didn't happen during the tech bubble. It didn't happen with Gulf War One. Didn't happen with Gulf War Two. It didn't happen with Afghanistan. Not nine eleven. It was Lehman. Oh, and just for those who don't know, sorry for, for for the younger audience members, um, we're sort of middle aged guys, so. For younger audience members, Lehman was the beginning of the dominoes that, uh, well, almost brought down the world financial system in 07, 08. Uh, so, sorry, just wanted to put that little point of reference in, but go ahead. All right. So it's important to understand on the, the, the fragility of the banking system. Back mid last year, we were already having problems with the repo market, right? And you know, so the so central banks, the, the Federal Reserve, kept them pumping money in because the banks weren't liquid. That was when times were good. All right. This is July of last year. All right. Now, fast forward to where we're at right now. And people want to take money out of the bank. People aren't working. They're not spending. How, you know, some loans are probably defaulting. So there is there. The banks were already fragile. Now, the VIX is a, a, an indicator of what risk is building up in the system. And it's elevated. It's not heterocydastic. It's not coming down quickly. It's, it's elevated, just like Lehman. So we, I really believe that we are in 1929 or, or worse. Because 1929, it was, it was about fear about markets this is a virus that's shutting down the economy and that the virus doesn't care about how much money is pumped in by the federal reserve it has no transmission connection to that it all it cares about is its host and how to divide and how to multiply and how to get you know in the spread it doesn't care about the, the federal reserve the problems that we had with 1929 were somewhat agricultural and, you know, and, and stock market related. Well, it was a, it was a lot of, there was a lot of policy problems and, you know, that the, well, that the too, causes the problem, problem you can use to solve the problem. And so yeah, given that they were flooding true, the market with, uh, with uh, funny money, given that they were manip- manipulating interest rates, at least you have a lever that can undo that kind of stuff, but, and which of course they didn't do in the 13 year Great Depression. We have a dynamic here too. But as you point out, yeah, this is not a policy issue. Now, policies have made it a bigger problem than it should be. The fact that they crushed down interest rates, the fact that they did bail out all of the uh, financial companies, the fact that the, back in 07, 08 meant that they didn't rationalize the system, the resources were still trapped in a lot of these zombie companies and bad management. The fact that the companies have been using these crazy zero interest loans to and, and these bailouts to buy back their own stock and, and retire wealthy. So there's been a lot of policy problems that have meant there's not a lot of resources available to deal with this virus. But as you point out, yeah, the virus doesn't care what the interest rates are. So 
uh, now that everyone's in the mess, policy is not going to be able to solve. I mean, other than, a, to me, a laissez-faire policy would solve it, but that's not about to happen. But you're right, yeah, of course, it doesn't respond. It's not a political animal. Right. It's important to understand that the, the virus is going to burn through the United States. It's going to burn through the, the world, all right? And it's going to last for 18 to 20 months. This is not four weeks, three month thing. It's 20 months. The level of activity of the virus, we don't know. It's not, it's going to be spiky. All right. But the, the, the actual amplitude of that spike, we don't know. But because of the health conditions of North Americans, especially in the United States, we're unhealthy people. Half of the population is unhealthy slash geriatric. And this is the problem is it's, it, this virus takes advantage of that. We're, I'm probably stepping out on a limb here compared to other people, but 165 million Americans are going to be infected with this virus in 20 months. Most of them will have mild cases. One sixth of the ones that are infected will have severe case. 25% of them, which is about 6.9 million people, will die from complications of COVID-19 because of the health situation and, and the geriatric component. So like, for example, to try to bring it down to reality of what these statistics say, my mother, 73, she has severe COPD. She was a long-term smoker. She's, you know, and severe COPD. She gets this virus in three days, she's dead. That's what that means. My father, he's 76. He has some, you know, some elevated uh, 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 blood pressure controlled by statins. If he gets it, probably in 14 days, he's dead. That's what that means. And there's a lot of Americans that have parents that fall in this category. So it's not out of, you know, out of the realm of possibility of what I'm saying. So that's why trying to shut down the society, almost biblically in a way, the 40 days and 40 nights as the angel of death comes through and let it, you know, let it burn out. And then you know, the population could, you know, try to rebuild. But um, uh, I, unless they come out with a therapeutic, you know, a pharmacological therapeutic that, 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 that cuts it in its tracks right away, um, I really believe that we could see 6.9 million people die in the United States from complications of COVID-19 because it's, these diseases they have, they can't take the viral load. They, they, their, their system is so, their system is so compromised, they can't fight the infection. Now, people like you and I, we're relatively healthy, we probably can take the hit. But what does that mean when we're in our 60s or, or, or 70s? When this next round happens, we're gonna be just like our parents, you know, with the, the ailments, the heart diseases. Because remember, this thing attacks the myocardium. So, 
it's a problem. So that is the that is the virus part of it. Then you can just imagine the shutdown of the economy as the deaths are happening and the, the need for quarantining or what they call in in, in New York uh, shelter in place. <laughs> you know, so, but but the economy is going to be shutting down and the supply chains are going to be shutting down and you're going to have 50% unemployment. This is going to be worse than the Great Depression and worse than Lehman. So you're going to have deaths and a complete destruction of the economy. Now, what will happen, I believe, is, is that people will be so scared. And this is where 9-11 comes in. The people have been listening to my channel. 9-11 happens, people get scared, and the Patriot Act comes, comes into place. And that set in motion a ballooning of government where it, it created a TSA, the uh, Homeland Security, and all these you know, uh, surveillance kind of technologies, FISA courts and all this. And we and we know about the abuses that can happen with with an over surveillance and, and that, even your channel happens, talks about that have happened yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah right exactly but even your channel you know talks about the big eye in the sky right yeah. you know, so so you know but what will happen is is a something similar to that what I call the Bio Patriot Act will be instituted and it will force decaching and decaching has been on the books, at least on the working papers at the IMF, where they don't want coinage, they don't want bills, they want all of the money supply in the banking system. You can't ever take it out, never have a bank run. So if the virus can be spread on dollar bills or coins, People will have the fear just like they had during 9-11. You know about, you know, the psychology of fear, right? And the cortisol levels go up and people just want a solution when they're in fear. Well, the government will say, well, the solution is decash. We won't, you know, and we'll have a blockchain type technology that the central bank issues. And we are now in a 100% digital currency. Well, then you add in the social scoring, you add in forced vaccinations, you know, they're tied into the BioPatriot Act. And then if you don't get your vaccine, you can't get your money out, you can't get your job, and you can see the, the total, uh, you know, totalitarianism that will take place with this BioPatriot Act rolling out because of this virus causing such havoc in the economy. So it's almost and like people if, this scenario, so sorry, if, if, if this scenario, if it plays out, the ball, of course, it's almost like China is spreading totalitarianism through a virus yes you know strange way it is this virus seems to be you know carrying the the chinese flag you know the ccp the ccp flag yeah in a strange way that we will see if you can see it now it'll first start with socialism and then it'll go to totalitarianism and the socialism policies that we're starting to see take place in the united states right now here's a check here's a grant here's this here's that it's almost like atlas shrug you know, people need to, to, to watch the movie or read the book. It's a big book, so it's going to take a little while. Hey, but, you know, time these yeah, days, man. Yeah, but, but the thing is, is that you're starting to see people bugging out. You're, you, you know, you hear about, you know, uh, uh, technologies that, that, that could maybe supplant uh, combustion engines. Um, there's a lot of similarities. They had, the, you know, the special coin in, in Atlas Shrug. 
you know, this this is kind of like the decaching thing. There's a lot of similarities. How, how Ayn Rand knew this, if it was the Akashi record or what, I don't know. But there's a lot of similarities in that book and what is trans, you know, what's happening right now. So what, it, it, I, I, I'm afraid we're going to lose our country. I'm afraid of losing our civil liberties. I'm afraid of this this idea of forced vaccinations. And I'm, you know, I'm in the realm of, you know, medicine. You know, the reason why I was, you know, transitioning from finance to medicine is to go to medical school. So I'm, I'm a, I, I, I want to help people. I want to learn about the biology of the body and all that. I'm not this kind of like person that's, you know, conspiracy theorist against science. I'm not that. But I do feel, I, I do feel that this is an opportunity people are using to roll out um, severe socialism that will lead to totalitarianism. Well, it's, and, it's a tough, it's a tough situation as a whole because um, for those who wanted, well, for those who feared that America was going to lose itself through demographic change anyway, at least this is slowing that down by closing borders. So uh, it's a complicated situation. So listen, uh, great information. Just if we can spend a couple of minutes now that we slash you have scared the pants off people, uh, if you can give people some of your thoughts about how sort of average person can prepare for a worst case scenario. Well, we're probably going to see, I've been telling everybody you need to prepare. All right. And how to prepare is you need food. That's the very first thing. It's a hierarchical of needs, right? So it's food and shelter, right? Your shelter is probably okay, but, but you need to prepare for food. Four weeks is not enough. We're, Probably two months is or more is what's needed. Um, this, the medical system is not going to be able to take care of you. So, and I'm a fan of the medical system, you know. All right, you know, well, not a fan, but I mean, you know, but 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 we're going to have to go to the homeopathic remedies because you're not going to be able to get the 21st century healthcare. Some people will, but we're going to have a breakdown in being able to get to a doctor. So you need to have, to try to boost up your immune system the best that you can. So that's the vitamins, the minerals, um, you know, the, uh, I can tell you what I do and maybe people can, can copy it. I do multivitamins. I do vitamin C, zinc, NMN, um, C60, uh, uh, DNA force, which is, uh, uh, PQQ, uh, CoQ10, and um, iodine and filtered water. No fluoride, nothing. No toothpaste fluoride, not to stay away from the fluoride. That's to boost the immune system, okay? Now, if I get sick, I worked with some researchers in, in Europe, and we looked at terpenoid and lignoid compounds that actually are protease inhibitors that you can get they're in low concentrations, but they are in the uh, nutraceutical world. You don't have to go to a doctor for it. The, the doctor version is much stronger, protease inhibitors. But if you purchase, or I'm using, I, if I get sick and I can't get to a doctor, I use forskolone, relora, calendula, licorice root, and birch bark. They're known to be antiviral, okay? And, they, and th there is scientific studies 
that the, some of the compounds that are in these kill coronaviruses in vitro, outside of the body, in, 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 dish, in petri dishes. So taking that, and then the cytokine storm that can, that can be created if you get reinfected. So sometimes if you get reinfected, it may cause an overreaction of the immune system. You have to calm that down. So anti-inflammatories like um, um, like um, uh, turmeric or um, uh, rosemary, those compounds will help calm it. But you got to take a lot of it because it's not the medical grade. So you have to you know take a lot of this stuff. But there are means on the homeopathic realm if you can't get to a doctor. And that's important is to get those in your home for your family just in case you start getting sick and you don't have anything. The colloidal silver realm or the nano silver realm will also help to boost the immune system, all right? And um, are known to be inactive. I gotta be careful the way I'm saying this because of the current climate. Known to inactivate pathogens. So, and the government, and I know this for a fact, Homeland Security is going to ABL. ABL is one of the, the main labs that make nanosilver to big buy big purchases of nanosilver. So, and our military uses nanosilver for wound dressing, you know, for on the field if they, they get cuts and stuff because it, 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 it kills the pathogens and, and activates the stem cells for healing quicker. But those are some of the things that you can get in your toolbox, but you also have to prepare with the, you know, the toiletries and the feminine hygiene stuff. And, you know, a lot of people don't think of this or, or, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, just overall hygiene products that you might run out. You may only buy, you know, one week supply of shampoo or conditioner or whatever. You, you, people need the, you know, everything that you buy that you typically need, you need two months worth. You know, and that causes, the problem is, is that causes supply chain disruptions because there's a big spike of demand. So, uh, you know, for me to help people and tell them to go and buy two months supply is actually, in a strange way, a negative feedback causing a problem for supply chains. Well, not for those so, first in line, but I want listeners to this to be to be first in line. All right. Well, listen, I, I really, really appreciate the, the detail uh, on this. Of course, you're not trying to give medical advice, neither is anyone here. We're just you know, talking about your own personal experiences. But I, I do want to remind people to check out Paul. It's C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L, Cotrell. Uh, it's got a great website, a great YouTube channel, uh, and I'll put links to all of those below. I hope that you'll stay in touch. Uh, this is a very um, illuminating to the point where I'm getting a headache. <laughs> That's good, right? Uh, so very, very illuminating discussion. I really, really do appreciate it. And I hope you can join us again. Yeah, I would like to. I, I try to unpack it as best I can in such a short amount of time because there is a lot of information there. Well, I'm sure we'll but, get you back on. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Also, some stuff that is happening in, um, in the, around the world or in Europe, let's say it like this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, first of all, uh, I don't believe Chinese numbers. That's a fact. <laughs> Did you and... see my video I just released? <laughs> 
I don't believe the Chinese number because if you add up all of Europe, it's more than China. Uh, yeah, what I, what I think is happening also is that uh, although although Chinese numbers are totally fake, uh, I think that Europe numbers will be worse than Chinese numbers. I mean, actual Europe num actual Chinese numbers might be better than Europe numbers because of the fact that in China they tried to stop everything. They tried to say like they tried to prevent major catastrophe. They woke up very, very late, but they they tried to prevent everything. If you understand what I mean, mm -hmm. because in Europe uh, they are not preventing anything. Like they are saying social distancing and the, all of that stuff, but it's not actually true. Actually true. So uh, I will start. I will start with Portugal because I think that's it's where where I'm, I am now. So I think it will be interesting for you to know. Uh, in Portugal, uh, on uh, last so right Friday, now, Portugal, the database is showing 785 confirmed cases and three deaths, and okay. three recovered. Yeah. Uh, what I can tell you is that on Friday, we had around 100 cases here in Portugal. On Friday, last Friday. And on that Friday, uh, I tried to call the national healthcare system because I was not feeling well. And I had no idea if, if it was or was not COVID related, actually. I tried to call. I had to wait around, it was Friday afternoon, I think. I had to wait around one hour, one and a half hours. And mm -hmm. I could not, and I, and I could not get a hold of anybody. Like, um, I just waited for one and a half hours and it was like, uh, what, uh, midnight? I was calling at midnight. So the volume of the call should be low. Because here in Portugal, we have a number that you call if you need the medical advice. They do it like this. Okay. And basically I tried to call and I waited around one hour. I got no reply. Uh, next day, I also tried to call. Uh, I waited around two hours. I was replied. They told me not to worry. Um, then I got worse. So I called again and the number was not even uh, the phone call was not even getting through. So basically it, it, it was cutting the call. So everybody who had some kind of emergencies, like wanted to understand better what's happening with COVID or whatever, they could not um, call that medical number. They had to go to clinic or they had to do something. And also the site of the Portuguese, uh, the Portuguese site, you have a site where you can also send the email to through the site to the Portuguese uh, staff. Of, and, and they will reply to you saying like what you need to do or how you need to react in case of an emergency or in case of you, you're not feeling well. I also went down on that day. Uh, so basically that's what happened. And uh, one day later, I went to the hospital because I don't, I don't have any symptoms. My only symptom is that is that I was not I, I was not able to breathe well, so I had difficulty in breathing. Breathing, very 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 big difficulty. It was something like I don't know if you have ever had panic attack, but I had mm -hmm. something. Basically, when you have panic attack, you and I had it one time before because I drank drink I drink too much caffeine, so uh, I had it one time. And this is the you don't you, you don't you, you I thought you only drank vodka. 
<laughs> no, I also drink right, a lot okay. of caffeine. <laughs> when I say caffeine, I mean uh, I don't drink I'm coffee. Just I'm just joking. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. When you say caffeine, I mean um, tea. I, I drink a lot of black tea. Okay. So because of that, I had panic attack one time, and this the I had like the similar sensation on on uh, Saturday. So I went to the hospital saying like, okay, I don't have any symptoms except for the fact that I have difficulty breathing. So uh, basically they did not do any tests. They just uh, watched me. They took my CT scan. So they took my XR, uh, XR, XR, I don't know how to call it in English, the lung test. Basically when they take like a screenshot of your lungs to see if they are okay or not, the XR or CT scan or something like that. They took it. They thought they saw that this it's all okay, and they told like you can go home, you can self isolate, uh, but we will not test you because everything seems to be okay with you. So we would not do any tests to you. Uh, so that just to show you that um, they are not testing here in Portugal as well. They are not testing adequately. At least they were not testing. They did not test me. I I think if I would. Because, because the thing is, I was uh, coming from Madrid, from the center of Madrid, and Madrid had like four or five thousand cases back then, or three or two, I don't know, but it had a lot of cases. And even knowing that I'm, I came from Madrid, and even knowing that I might be infectious, they did not test me. Obviously, I did not um, ask them for test. Because if, when they say you are free to go, I did not ask them for tests because for me it's not. For me it's important, but not um, life. Well, I don't know how to explain it to you. I didn't ask them for tests, but uh, they they also did not make any initiative of testing. That's what I can tell about the Portugal. Also, here in Portugal, the supermarkets right now uh, are open. Have a different schedule, so they work from uh, nine of the more nine a.m. until two p.m. and from four p.m. until eight p.m. And you are only allowed to enter like fifteen or twenty or one hundred people, something like that. So basically, in every given moment, you you can only have hundred people in the supermarket. When one person leaves, one person enters. So we have giant um, quantity of people waiting outside of the supermarket. That's what they have done in Portugal. Are you seeing military? No, I don't see any military, but I I also don't leave my ho- my house. I am trying to self isolate at the maximum mm-hmm. because uh, I already am understanding that it's not uh, something that we can joke about. My friends are still joking, so there are a lot of people in Portugal who are still still saying like it's just a normal flu it's nothing like whatever but uh, yeah i see a lot of tension starting to build up here i mean uh, if it was a normal flu why would markets be selling off why would the government be shutting down things it can't be the normal flu <laughs> I yeah mean, just the <laughs> actions of the government are telling you it's serious obviously Th- that's true but um, you know what 
what happened with public with public here in Portugal is what was happening in Spain like two or three weeks ago because nobody nobody cared nobody was so and that's what was happening in uh, Italy one one month ago also before everything exploded so I think that in Portugal there will be an explosion as well especially because I think that they are treating this even more uh, even more unresponsibly than than they did in Spain. So I think that here in Portugal, the situation well, would be like, even... Why, why do you think that the Eastern European countries versus the Western European countries are lower? Uh, I don't like Ukraine, that... Romania, Budapest? Okay, uh, we will talk uh, about Ukraine a little bit later because I have also some news to you about Ukraine. And I yeah. will send you one video. Unfortunately, it's in Russian, but I will send you one video. A little bit later. Okay. Uh, but um, first, let me explain uh, the situation in Madrid or in Spain. Basically, we were all uh, sent teleworking. And right now uh, in Madrid, almost nobody is working. So every everybody who can is teleworking. Almost everything. That's is what's shut happening down. in Manhattan. Manhattan is like everything's shut down. Everything is shut down. The government said that everything should be shut down except for the pharmacies, for the right. essential, essential, yeah, yeah. essential business. Uh, at the at the beginning, people were joking because the government, as far as I understood, the government told that you can um, work, you can walk as long as you are walking with your dog or as long as you are doing like normal stuff. And people start walking with uh, toy dogs. <laughs> And this is this is true. Mm, you have you funny. have you have a video of person walking with this light. <laughs> very very small toy dog, like not not real one, like really toy mm, one. Mm, mm. And you also have a person who was uh, walking with an iron. <laughs> so basically, it was just like just so you can see the amount of stupidity that there was in Spain. Mm -hmm. But right now, everything everybody is sitting at, the, at their homes. Uh, I also have one person to whom I work with who also have difficulties breathing. He also told me like that he had difficulties breathing today, and uh, he also have cough, dry, not not dry, but some cough. I'm not sure if he has any issues or not. I hope not, obviously, because obvious reasons. But um, yeah. Now let's go to Ukraine. Uh, I don't believe that they have such a low number of cases uh, because you have video and this video appeared in the news long before the coronavirus outbreak here in Europe. Or I mean, they're only and, saying 16 with two with three deaths. I know, I know, but you have or, a, I'm sorry, two deaths, two deaths, two deaths. Two deaths yeah, you have a video um, saying that uh, and th this video was recorded on 15th of January. So it was similar to the time when everything was happening in uh, China, right? And what was happening is, and this is official, like it, it showed on television. This is official television news. This is like real deal. And that video was saying that in one of the hospitals on one of the parts of Ukraine, you had people who were arriving there who had very, very high fever that they cannot lower and who actually died. You had like three or four cases back there on 15th of January of 
people who actually died in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So uh, I assume that the number of cases so, uh, is so low in Ukraine for two reasons. First, because they're heavily un underreporting. Right. Because Ukraine is not um, Ukraine is not US. So what happens in Ukraine is if you have any symptoms of coronavirus, or you might even I don't know, you might even not get to the hospital because your neighbor might kill you. Ukraine is not like not not a very normal country, if you understand what I mean. Well, the population is estimated to be about 42, 000, 42 million, excluding Crimea. Yeah. And that was, that was 2019, 2019 estimates. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, so they got 42 million and they're only saying that they have 16 cases. I don't believe that. But like I told you, they had, they had like... 40 cases in January, on 15th of January. It showed in the news, but they had no idea how to call it. So they call it unknown pneumonia. Yeah, see, I think that's what's happening. There's a lot of ill-diagnosed, misdiagnosed cases. Exactly. Something because... similar was happening in the United States before they were doing the testing. They just called it flu-like syndrome. Yeah, obviously. So that's the... That's but like huge. Belarus is ha has 51. So you're telling me that Belarus has more than Ukraine? I don't believe that. No way. Also, no, no way. Obviously, Poland, no. Poland has 355. And also, when it explodes, when it explodes, I bet you that Ukraine will have a lot of problems. I'm not, I'm not sure about Russia because... Uh, like, well, like Italy? I mean... Worse. 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 They shut down borders right now, but and they in the quarantine. Do, do you know what the, the population of Europe is in general, including England? No, I'm. I don't. I mean, I mean is it over a billion? No, I, I have no idea. I actually never. I never googled it. I, I mean, China is like a billion, billion two or something like that. A billion point, you know, one point two billion or something like that. So I think China's population is way higher than than all of Europe. Uh, seven hundred forty-one million. Seven hundred forty-one million, right? Yeah. And China is like one point two billion, right? Isn't China one point two billion? Uh, one point four. One point four. So that, that proves my point. That how can how can Europe have more cases in China. Uh, Europe can have more cases than China. It's very, very easily explainable. Uh, I'm not saying that China have only 800 cases. What I'm saying is it's very, very easily explainable because in Europe, nobody is testing for anything. So that's the problem. Yeah, but we're already... Europe's not testing, but we have more numbers in Europe than, than China. Yeah, but the thing is, you add uh, up all of Europe, it's higher than China. It's higher than China, but uh, think about but it. But you like have this. a population that is half of China. Yeah, you have a population that is half of China, but you, you yeah, can. And think, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, 
uh, it doesn't make any sense. As uh, the, 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 the numbers have to be in the millions in China, uh, if not tens of millions. I would well, and and the numbers that are that are probably real in in Europe is probably it it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it's because of the under testing that's going on. It wouldn't surprise me that there are about eight hundred thousand. Yeah, <laughs> easily. I would say even more. I would say even more because, for example, in um, in uh, UK, like two or three days ago, they just publicly affirmed that uh, that we will not do anything. We don't care. Basically, they told like, um, well, schools will remain open. Obviously, now they closed schools, but they told. Like two or three days ago, the the policy was schools will remain open because children have to go somewhere anyway. And if you are not dying, we will not help you. See, at this time, Europe probably would have about twenty-five to fifty million people with influenza alone. Just influenza. See what I mean? Yeah. I see what so, you mean. I mean, you know, and this is way worse than influenza. I don't know. I, I'm expecting to be here in home for the next like three or four months at least. Yeah, but I mean, most people don't have food for three or four months. I know. That's, I mean, that's it's a problem. major problem. I mean, if the governments, the, and the next wave will be governments are going to have to find means of getting food to the people. It's impossible. I, I have no. I have no idea what will happen because. Right now, uh, like here in Europe, you have some panic buying of essential materials. Like, I don't know, I went to supermarket, there is no bottled water, for example. There is no mm -hmm. toilet paper. Obviously, I have bottled water and I have toilet paper. But you have no bottled water, you have no toilet paper. Some essential stuff is gone already. So markets are not prepared for what's happening. Supermarkets here in Europe yeah. and I think it will it's only the beginning and I strongly believe that it's only the beginning do you think people will starve to death honestly I think I think a lot of them will I, no actually I'm lying I think what will happen is it, it all depends on the generation of the people so people who are a little bit a little bit more clever and more and know what they're doing will try to emigrate to whatever place they can so, like, so the they russians, will, like the russians like the russians like the russians like the russians they will try to, <laughs> what i mean is they will try yeah, i know i know I'm just, I'm just joking they will try to go to some place where they have like they can harvest potatoes or harvest something if you understand what i mean basically nice. basically that's what i think that will start to happen. People will start to try to find places where they can live and make agriculture or make their own water or fish or whatever. Because I'm not seeing the possibility of government helping every, anybody or everybody. I know that... See, right now, the policies in the United States seem to suggest that the government is there to backstop everything and help people. But that might break down. I mean, I, 
if you keep on shutting everything down for so long, I mean, there, even the essential services will start to break down. My problem is not the essential services. My problem is the fact that um, I, I, I strongly believe that um, when this will hit hard, uh, you will not have people who are planting potatoes and agriculture people. They will not, they will just refuse to provide services because they will be afraid. If you understand right. what I mean. Right. And this and this is my problem. Like I do have some food. I don't have food for for months. I have food for like what, one month maybe. Two months maximum. I don't have food for four months. And I strongly believe that in for in one or two months we will have a lot more money. Uh, we will have a lot more products that are gone and the products that will be available will cost four or five or six times more. But I don't want to go to supermarket and panic buying everything because that would not help anybody. Anybody? Well, we're starting to see the panic buying already in New York and other places in the United States, but you know, New York's going to start getting really crazy. You have panic buying of guns in New York as, as well. Guns? Yeah. In New York City. Not in New York, but uh, you have panic buying of guns in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's happening. But New York's pretty strict on gun control. Um, and it's very hard to get a gun in New York City. I mean, it's like a six-month wait. You know, you can't just like go in the store, get a clearance, and then buy the gun same day. I mean, you have to go through... The, so and you can't get like you can't get like um um ar-15s you can't that, that's illegal in in in, mm -hmm. in new york city i don't know about upstate new york but new york city they're illegal so you can like have a rifle you can own like a hunting rifle you can own a, a handgun yeah. in new york city but you can't have you can't have semi-automatic okay do you think that in New York there will be a lot of people dying from shootings? I mean, people, in America. If people, start getting, if people start getting scared because of starvation, yeah. Yeah, it could, I, society could break, break apart pretty quickly once the starvation starts. I don't think that anything but starvation is what, what triggers it. Yeah, that that I also understand, but like, it's I don't know what will happen, but I think that our life has changed forever, and all of this is because governments were not re responding properly, because the only government that I believe responded properly was Korea. They responded. Wait, which government? So South Korea. South Korea. Yeah, they responded well, South properly. South Korea is having. I don't know. I mean, South Korea has South Korea has kind of stabilized their numbers. So it's eight point eight thousand five hundred. See, this is the strange thing about it. The research was suggesting that that Asian males had more ACE two, okay, mm -hmm. and they would be more susceptible. 
Now, why is it that the Western civilization seems to be more infected than Asian civilization? Because if you look at Korea, South Korea, all right, you know, this is just rough, rough. So if we look at, if we look at South Korea mm -hmm. population on Wikipedia, you know, and we're just kind of like thinking out loud here. All right. The population, estimated population is about 52 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if we look at, um, let's say, 52 million, that's probably Germany, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Germany's like 60. I don't know. Hold on. Uh, population? No, 82. Germany. 82. Yeah, eight, yeah, 82, 83. So you're talking about maybe France. Uh, Spain has, has 46, 47. 47. So it's close to Spain. France is 67. All right. So it's close to Spain in terms of population. But Spain is more, South Korea is more, it has more density, like Seoul yeah. is huge. Right? Yeah. So, and Spain is at 17, but South Korea is only at eight, yeah. nine. Yeah. Yeah. Something's not right about Asia and the numbers that are being published, unless they aren't counting individuals no. No, no. the what's same way. What's happened, what, what happened in Korea? And this is my idea. And this actually can explain a lot. So uh, think about it like this. If you're in Europe, right, you will, not be, you will not be tested unless, uh, give me just one second, sorry. Hello, I'm back. Sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, about the Korean numbers. So imagine that you're in Europe. You know, imagine that you're an average person here in Europe. Unless you uh, have very, very heavy symptoms, you will not be tested, right? So unless you are almost dying or you are, uh, I don't know, you are like asphyxiating, you will not be tested. Same, same happens in the US, right? Right. So what I believe happened is, and this is according to all the reports that I'm seeing from Korea. In Korea, they have eight or nine hundred nine thousand cases, but it's because they tested almost everybody. If you if you check the if they tested everybody, they should have a lot higher numbers. No, that's the thing because they they caught this in the beginning. No, no, but if they tested everybody at the beginning, there could be a lot of people that contracted it later yeah but it's it, not it, just it, testing it's the frequency of testing of, of the same person yes but what i mean is imagine it like this you have 100 you have it starts with 100 people right if out of those 100 
you isolated 95, the frequency of spreading of the virus will be a lot lower, right? Maybe. Maybe. True. Depends on how long the isolation was. Isolated if the dorm, if the, I mean, if the, you know, the dormancy of this could be as, you know, almost 40 days or more. Okay. So let's say it like this. You have so, I mean, they didn't shut down their society. They didn't close everyone down for 40 days. No, no. They, they did not close nobody for 40 they days. They did like 14 days. But what they did, what they did, and this is very, very important, is they were uh, offering tests for everybody. They had a drive through and they were informing people. They had even special app, as far as I know, that was informing you, like, um, in your area, there was found one, one person with coronavirus. If, if you're right, then if we adopt the same policies that they did in South Korea, then the cases should be radically, di radically diminished in the United States. Yes, they should be radically so, diminished. I mean, their case, you know, uh, so you're, you're saying that we didn't self-isolate quick enough in exactly. the Western world that caused this. Not, not I'm not, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Uh, the population the densities are so much more in Asia. Okay, can you check the I mean, I lived in South Korea, and I lived in Japan, and I, I, I've never visited China, all right? And I've lived in, in Germany. And, you know, but yeah. I'll tell you right now, I do not believe that Korea only has just under 9,000 cases, you know, 8.5 thousand cases. Can you check the mortality rate? I don't rate? believe it. Check the mortality well, rate. I don't, I don't think that, I, I don't care about the mortality rate right now. I'm what just I, talking about the confirmed cases. What I, there's, what something I wrong, there's something weird about going on, what's going on in Asia, and it's like ballooning out in Western civilization. What and I, I want to know why. What I want to understand why that is. Because I think if you get to the answer why, you get to the, a possibly a biological mechanism. Uh, I think that what that, that our original thought that the ACE2 receptor mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. its susceptibility in, in Asian males, um, my worry is, is that we may actually be Western, Western's uh, susceptibility might be more susceptible with an, a, another receptor. And it has nothing to do with isolation. Well, maybe partially to do with, you know, uh, lack of isolation. But it, may, it there may be a biological reason why this is happening, not mm -hmm. a sociological one. So, um, might be, might be. No, because because my theory was that the fact that in in um, um, in Korea, my theory was that they have everybody. So basically, in Korea, they have 8,000 cases, and that's all, because they tested everybody. That was my theory. There's no way that they had 50,000 50, test kits, uh, 50 million test kits. There's no way. They didn't do 50, and, and you got to do it multiple times for many different people. So uh -huh. you, let's just times that by two or three, all right? Well, there's no way they had 150 million test kits. Yeah. No way. There's no way. Not not even close. No way. Yeah. They didn't yeah. have that throughput to be able to test that much. I mean, in the United States, even though it's a larger country, you know, a, a city like New York, the best throughput we could have is maybe a thousand. 
a day. Well, a thousand a day out of 8.6 million people, it's going to take a while. Soul hmm. is like, soul is like eight times more than, 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 or maybe not eight times, but, you know, four or five times more than Manhattan. So, I mean, it's so, or, you know, New York city. So uh, that doesn't make sense. It would take, it would take months to go through that many tests. They don't have that kind of throughput. Another theory that I have, and this is that I cannot confirm that I just heard uh, in the news. You have uh, some people that are saying that ibuprofen or ibuprofen, Mm -hmm. the drug that lowers your temperature can actually harm you. Might it be related to that as well? Because here in, in Europe, normally if you have fever, they try to reduce it. Mm-hmm. Might it be related to that? Might be. I mean, it, it could be, but I mean, I, but that's it, not, I mean, these are confirmed cases. You're talking about complications yeah. of, of a disease. We're talking about just confirming if someone has a disease or not. Okay, it's totally different, right? Yeah, and you look at the numbers. Western civilization is more infected than Asia. It's not possible, unless the numbers are wrong in Asia. In, in- I because let me put it this way: the the Germans are very detailed people, mm-hmm. right? yeah, very detailed, all right? And they document everything. Mm-hmm. So I believe numbers that come out of Western society because the Germanic way, all right, the language and all that, it, 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 it echoes from the Germans and their mentality. Mm-hmm. So the Western society probably documents this much better than Chinese. Okay. Yeah, obviously. All right. And I, I, I am, even though I am biased to say this, I believe Western society is closer to, to reality, even though I think it's still understated because of, we need to test more. We don't have enough tests, but that set aside, Asia doesn't have enough tests either. But there's no way that Western society could be at, at this point in the disease because our diseases didn't start quote officially until in January. Well, mm-hmm. their diseases started in November, maybe mm-hmm. October. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that because they had a head start. There's no way that Western society could be larger than Asia, than, than, than Asian societies. Something's not right here, uh, unless there is a different mechanism, or unless we are more susceptible. And the original hypothesis that Asians were more susceptible was wrong. Hmm. That, that this virus might actually... It might be true that the, the virus may have a higher affinity for ACE2 relative to, you know, let's say in Asians versus Caucasians. Mm-hmm. All right. Or, you know, there's more, you know, may, maybe, maybe. But 
this virus may actually be more uh, susceptible to uh, certain receptors that we're upregulated that Asians aren't upregulating. Mm-hmm. It's not sense. everyone up uh, upregulate. You could be the same race and you could be different in in upregulate. Uh, you could be twins and upregulate different receptor <laughs> concentrations. Obviously, you know because of just stress and and environmental factors. Yeah. So, yeah, something's not right to me. That's I'm asking the question because there's something that doesn't look right. Do we now, want... either they're lying, mm-hmm. or there's a biological and or there's a biological mechanism on why Western society is more susceptible to this. Now, mm-hmm. is it sociological or is it biological? Uh, I think it's biological because I I am just seeing one more piece of data. I don't know if you're familiar with this site. This basically reports the cases in real time. And this is very, very, and I am, give me a second. Um, the text here, how do I write here? Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I am sending this to you because according to this site, and you told very well, Germany, Germans are very meticulous about stuff. So why they have only two people in serious or critical condition? Well, Merkel said Merkel said that seventy five percent of the population was going to get infected. Yeah, that, that's no, 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 no. According to the database here, that's Johns Hopkins. They have forty four deaths. They they have forty four deaths. Now the death is true, but what I mean is. You have several ways of uh, looking at this infection. I'm not, I'm not concerned at this moment in time with the actual ICU patients. Uh, I'm more concerned with what is the cons- what is the confirmed cases. Uh, yes, I am. I am also concerned with the and ICU. I'm looking, you know, and and you know, and because deaths from this could be, you know. It's not so clear to me on how they define a death from COVID-19. Let's say you have COVID-19, you have a heart attack, and you die. What do they put on the death certificate? Uh, death by heart attack or death by COVID-19? I think in Italy they will put death by heart attack. Yeah, that's my big. That, that's the problem. There's the problem because, because it understates complications of the disease. Yeah. COVID-19 will take a lot of people's lives because of underlying conditions that they have the morbidity i think their comorbidity yeah the complications of covid-19 will increase the yeah. mortality rate That's so true. you know but forget about that just focus on the confirmed cases something is weird about asia especially china and oh. why why Are they lying? China is, is they not... is there some biological reason? No, China is just not reporting. My my personal opinion is that China is just not reporting at all. So they just shut it down everything and that's Yeah, China... but but you know, we, we have we have countries that are the size of or smaller. I mean, think about it. Think about it, okay? If we go to the United States. Yeah. Okay? And we go to New York, 
New York has 5,306 cases. And New York uh, State is probably, I want to say, 26 million or so people. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing. Uh, New York State. What's the population? All right. The population is... Eight million. Oh, uh, no, no. The population of the state. Oh, state. Yeah. So it's like uh, just under 20 million. Okay. 20 million. Mm-hmm. And Korea is 50 million. All right. Now, if mm-hmm. Korea is 50 million and New York is only 20 million, then <laughs> New York has 5,300 cases. A lot of those are in New York City. Right, not all of them, but a lot of them. Oh, all right, yeah. you know, but Korea only has eight thousand five hundred. New York State is half the size. Okay, but just started the infection. Counting the infection, just started counting the infection. And Korea's only at eight eight thousand five hundred. See, right now we would start seeing a plateau in New York. If that was yeah. the case, we're not so, seeing that. We're not seeing um, that. So there's something wrong with the data in Asia. Uh, Either they're underreport. All these countries are underreporting in Asia, or there's some other dynamic going on that's different in Western culture. Either it's biological, sociological, or both. Okay, so uh, but something is wrong. Can I? Can I? Well, let, let's say let's say it like this. But I mean, this... it's possible that we're overstating the numbers in Western civilization to scare people, but I don't think that's happening. No, 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 no. We are not overstating. What so I it's think... most likely understating in Asia. What I think Why? what's happening. What I what I what I think what's happening is let's focus on Korea first. Uh, the China will be the the China. I don't believe those numbers at all. In Korea, what I think what's happening. I don't believe is... Korea's numbers. I do. I do until some point believe Korea's numbers, and I can explain why. So what I think happened in Korea was something like this. Uh, when they had first two or three cases in Korea, they were scared. Uh, and unlike the all of other countries, like, I don't know, um, Europe or Russia or whatever, they told, okay, this is serious. In Europe, when there were first cases, they told, it's nothing. In Korea, they, they told, this was serious. So they started to test everybody. They were not testing all the people, all the all the people of the population. No, they were testing everybody who they they thought that should be tested. You understand what by I mean? Now, by now, a quarter of their country should have gotten infected. Exactly. But right, you... and, and and there's no way they had the throughput to test everybody. Not everybody, but if fifty you... million. If you had fifty million people. Right? Yeah. And you take a quarter of them would have been infected by now. There should have had 12.5 million people that that seemed to show signs of COVID-19 that should have been tested. They wouldn't have had 12.5 million test kits. Exactly. They they don't. No, no, no. Right, right. So so the numbers are way understated. That's my point. Yeah. Asia is way understanding their numbers. Like, by a lot. By you know, because it's they're they're not testing. Okay, but or they're not reporting. 
but the Korea is not dictator like China. So, like, Chinese nam Ch China is dictator. So in so no, in China, no, no. yeah, I understand that, but I'm sure that there's more there's more people than eight thousand people that get the flu in 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 Korea, and this is way more virulent than than the flu. What we need to see is the flu numbers of Korea, and you'll probably see it in the millions. Let's just say you had two million flu confirmed flu cases in Korea. There's no way you could have five thousand five hundred confirmed cases of of COVID nineteen because the R zero value is much higher. Yeah. So it has to be higher cases, even with the quarantining. It's way too understated. I don't believe the numbers because I think it's a national security issue. It's a national security issue and an economic issue, and they just understate the numbers to, to reduce the economic and, and, and national security problems. Because if North Korea, um, let's say, isn't as infected, and they state that half their population is sick, North Korea may start launching missiles into, into Seoul. Yes, but I think also in North. So North why Korea, would why why would South Korea decide to publish real numbers? Because it literally could start a war. Okay, that's true as well. I don't believe the numbers that are coming out of Asia, and it seems odd that the numbers are so low in Japan. J Japan, I have no idea what. Unless. Unless there is something going on in Western culture where the virus is more infectious. It's either the way we live or our biology. Okay. Maybe or it could be, or it could be that we have different, you know, it, it might be that we have a different version of the it. Version, the version might be, but also. Like the only thing that I th I'm thinking about is the quantity of sugar that we that we consume, because average average. Uh, well, European this is going back to what I was saying that the health of the individuals in Western culture are probably worse than the typical Asian. The yeah, typical probably. Asian probably has less health issues, especially yeah, in America. So, Probably. you know, you know, Americans health, are, half of them are unhealthy. That's why I think that the mortality rate is going to be so high in, in the United States. You know, it's going to be, you know, about 4% and there's going to be a lot of people that get it and there's going to be a lot of people that die from it or complications thereof. Something's weird about Asia, especially China. Something there's weird. something in the data. It just doesn't look right. I don't know exactly what it is. My gut feeling is it's they're lying. But it's possible that we have more chance of infection in Western culture than in Asia. But then my question would go back to Russia and Ukraine and all of those countries. What I don't believe the there? Russian numbers. I don't believe I don't, the Russian numbers. I, I also don't believe... It's the a national security problem. Same, same, same issue. Obviously, I also don't believe the Russian I think numbers. the United States, it's more... The United States and Europe is a little bit more open because of the way the societies are. 
no, uh, obviously I also don't believe the Russian numbers, but I I still think. I mean, Russia is only seeing a hundred hundred ninety nine and one deaths. I no. think I no. think I think Russian numbers is, is ten times bigger, but even even if they are ten times bigger, Russia have a huge 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 um, flow of people from China. So they should be by now. They should be like Italy. Well, when they flow through, where are they going? I mean, they're uh, not going to Moscow, are they? No, but you have. Uh, I mean, it's it, just through the Mongolian border. You're talking. About. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the Mongolian border. A lot of people come to Russia from. China. Yeah, but what's the population along that border in Russia? It, like China, the China border and the Mongolian border. Is there a lot, a lot of Russians? Is the population big around around those? I, I thought it was very. I thought it was more like. The tundra. I thought it was like all frozen. Uh, it's not all frozen. You have some cities there because Russia is so huge that the density, the actual density of uh, cities, the the actual density of uh, population is not very very big in Russia. Mm. So you have some cities that have a lot of Chinese living there, and I I honestly think that if this would be true you would have a lot of complications in russia as well and i'm not hearing that just yet yeah and i well, have gonna, yeah i don't know i don't know i'm gonna have to get going here now i gotta yeah. get set up for something else now but and, uh thank you for sharing what you, you you know your thoughts on this it's something to me is a little strange about asia's numbers and also, just for your thinking, uh, Asia have very, very uh, have a lot of um, commerce with um, some countries of Africa, and in Africa you don't have huge explosion of cases as well. That's just for you to think. Mm -hmm. At least not yet. Not yet, because we got this dormancy, and plus the weather. There, I don't know. It's you know it also could be good testing issues. You know when you're talking about Ethiopia, you know it only has six. You know yeah. Tanzania has only six, but they got more cases of Ebola than they have of COVID nineteen. Yeah. You know, so I don't. I don't. You know. I. I don't know. Something's not right. Something's not right with these numbers. And if you want, I can try to research that, and uh, in one or two weeks, when I will have time. We will try to see what's happening, but I don't believe the Chinese numbers. And I have no idea why is this happening. It might be something that we eat that upregulates certain receptors. But that's my only idea. Because I don't I have no idea what what else could it be. Mm -hmm. Either mm -hmm. it's something that we eat or for some reason, it only tar targets Europeans a lot more. No, or the way we live. It could be or the way we live. Okay, I got to get going okay. here. Yeah, anyway, thank you very much.